Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Lena West. Lena shows women entrepreneurs how to discover their inner CEO and leverage that knowledge to build a business that loves them back. She's also the creator of the CEO DNA Method, a personalized inventory that supports women entrepreneurs to determine their most effective business model and marketing strategy based on their work style, unique energetic blueprint, strengths, and archetypes. Welcome to the podcast, Lena. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, I, I uh, have learned a lot about what you do and how you do it. And I know some of the things that you, one of the things that you talk about is women entrepreneurs as CEOs and growing their business without resorting to hustling, grinding, cheeseball tactics, and me too strategies. Can you talk a little bit about that? You you mentioned not suffering for success, and I think that'll be thrilling for people to hear. Um, So tell us about how you approach um, women entrepreneurs and, and their role as a CEO. Yeah, so I work with women all over the world, and one of the things that I've seen is, um, for whatever reason, we have been taught and we've also believed that we have to suffer for success. We have to work long hours. We have to work hard. We have to give our all. We have to always be on. We can't take a break. We've got to hustle and grind and stay on top of. And it's just, even just listening to that list of have tos is exhausting. It is. It's a drag. It drags you down. And again, this is what we've been taught. And what I have been saying and what I will continue to say is there's another way. And there's a way to build your business, to build a movement, to change, to affect change in the world that doesn't require you to run yourself into the ground and that doesn't require you to result to tactics that are out of alignment or feel out of alignment or make you do things that you really don't want to do or make you present yourself or your brand in a way that really doesn't work for you. And um, I'm showing, I've been showing women how to do that for the past 14 years and I have no intention of stopping. (laughs) Well, you talk about the, the internet bro culture and how you're reclaiming terms like, CEO and six-figure and thought leader, the kind of thing we hear over and over and over again in promotional materials. So tell, first of all, tell, tell us what the internet bro culture is from your point of view. So the internet bro culture is all of the guys that are kind of leading the pack in the internet marketing world and setting the tone for how things are done and how marketing is approached, how sales are approached, how building teams is approached. And it's it's this hyper-masculine way of building a business and growing a business that I am not in alignment with because that is oftentimes presented as the only way. And I'm not saying those methods and those approaches are bad. I'm simply saying if that doesn't work for you, if those approaches don't feel like alignment for you, there's another way. And here's what that other way looks like. And that other way is you centric. And so the internet bro culture is is that hyper-masculine approach to everything related to business. And 
I'm, I'm just railing against it. And, um, and I'm with you there. I call it the cabal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yes, yes, yes. So, so what do you, what do we have to gain by, um, by not doing things that way? You mentioned that alignment is a big uh, aspect yeah. of that. Tell us about that. And what do we gain by reclaiming terms like CEO and six figure? Yeah. I mean, those terms are, have been thrown about and they've been misused and to the point that those of us who would like to say those terms and use them to, um, to, to, to give a certain meaning to what, to our ideas and give a certain context to whatever it is that we're trying to express. We're looking up synonyms for, and different ways to say it. And I'm saying, let's take those terms back, right? So when you say, what do we have to gain? I'm saying everything. Number one, chief on that list of what we have to gain is we get, we get our agency back. We get our full agency back, right? Let's take those terms back. And instead of us trying to figure out, well, what other term can I use besides thought leader? Because thought leader has kind of got a bad rap right now. Yeah. I'm saying let's, let's take those terms back and let the people who want to abuse those terms figure out other terms to use. <laughs> let's reclaim um, the term six figure and seven figure because it's been, those terms have been abused. They've been misused. They've been used to gaslight people. They've been used to harm people. And I am saying, let's take those terms back and re return them to their rightful meanings so that we can use them to effectively communicate what we want and not have to do a song and dance merely based on a handful of people who have decided that they are going to take those terms and, um, and misuse them um, in various ways. And so chief on the list of what do we have to gain is our agency. We have ourselves to gain. I, wanna, I don't want to see a Me Too business, right? I want to see you show up in your business, not you, Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the listeners, I want to see you in your business. When I look at your website, I don't want to see something that looks like it comes from big deal consulting corporation. I don't want to see phrases that don't mean anything. That's just marketing speak. I want to see you because it doesn't matter if you're, deal, if you're doing business with small businesses, mid-sized businesses, major corporations, the person who hires you, the person who decides to sign off on that purchase order, even if it's at a large corporation, that's a person that it's an individual human being. And so let's connect. So we have ourselves to gain um, and bring back into our business, the essence of who we are. I think we spend a lot of time talking about marketing and sales and operations and team building. And at what point are we going to start talking about the people running the business and making sure that the, the, the people who started the business and who are running the business and guiding and shaping uh, the business with their vision, let's make sure that that person is still present in the business as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so uh, tempting to tap into these, you know, six easy steps to six figures or whatever, some perturbation of that, some version of that. Yeah. Um, and because people often aren't sure how to proceed. And so having this kind of clear guideline or blueprint for how to move forward is really tempting because it gives you some kind of structure for how to move forward, but it's, it's not authentic. It's not in alignment with the individual. It's, it's someone else's pattern that they've established. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because so, you know, first, listen, I understand the need and the want and the desire to have a step-by-step. Step. Sure. I get it. Yeah. I think in terms of, I think and work in terms of, okay, what do I need to do first? And then what's next? And, you know, very logical. So I get the need for that kind of uh, framework and structure. I'm just saying there's more than one way to do it. And then the second piece is, I love that you you mentioned, you know, the, the, the pattern um, and, and the formula, right? Mm -hmm. So I, a lot of times I don't think this internet bro culture is always 
an insidious evil force out to you know world domination. I don't think it's really <laughs> that so much as someone has said, listen, this is what's worked for me. Right. And here's what here's my formula. And the reason that we've had such a low success rate with following the formulas is because that's what's worked for that person, mm-hmm. right? What's, what works for me is not what's going to work for my clients. And so I'm always asking my clients, okay, here's the end game. Here's where we're going. What combination of steps feels right for us to get there? And I will present, hey, this is scenario A, option A. Does this feel right? And they may say, yeah, that feels aligned. Or they may say, that that second part feels a little off. And I say, okay, well, let's look at that. Let's change that so that it feels right. Because when it doesn't feel right, that's when we have a problem. And that's when it doesn't feel right, it comes across in your marketing. It comes across in your sales calls. It comes across when you're trying to write that article. It comes across when you're doing that podcast interview. Mm-hmm. When you don't believe what you're saying, it manifests and people see it and they feel it and they hear it. And it reduces the amount of impact you can have because people sense that you're not being real and that's going to have all kinds of implications for your business and for the impact that you want to have. Absolutely and totally. Yes and yes. I wonder if, um, is this more of an issue for women, do you think? This kind of, you know, desire to follow a pattern? I I haven't noticed that, but I'm I'm curious about your thoughts around it and and, uh, how do women deal with this problem? I think it is more of an issue for women, and that could be solely because Listen, I've been working with women entrepreneurs for 14 years, so I'm a little biased here, right? (laughs) Um, But I I do think that this happens with women more often, the wanting to follow the template. I do think that happens. Um, I might be a little biased because I've been working with women for the past 14 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's why I think that. Women as a whole, and there are some exceptions, are still responsible for the bulk of the emotional labor that happens in our families and our communities. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're still responsible for childcare and for making sure our home front is taken care of and for elder care and dealing with community things and making sure that we're uh, have a presence and a voice on the community board and PTA and on and on and on and on. And so we don't have the bandwidth really um, in most instances to experiment and figure it out. We want to know, how do I get from A to C in the most expeditious way possible? Show me what to do because I am decision, I've got decision fatigue. I am making decisions all day about what to do. And when it comes to this piece over here in my business, I don't want to leave it up to chance. I really want to make sure this works. So show me what to do and I will do it. And that's why I think women are more, are more susceptible to leaning into formulas and frameworks. That's so interesting. I hadn't heard anybody express it in quite that way. And um, I think that I, I, I wonder too if there's an element of women not stepping into their power, claiming their true power as I'm someone who can make good decisions. I'm someone who can really step into this leadership role as as a CEO and make those choices. Is that something that, do you agree with that or or do you have a different perspective? Um, I would be more willing to entertain that part of the 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 context um of not stepping in if women weren't doing the bulk of the emotional labor Mm. but i say that you know a lot of people have this feeling family first you know Mm -hmm. and so you deal with your family stuff first that's what gets the bulk of your energy and your attention because you're you're focused on your family and rightly so i'd be more apt to to look at is it a challenge within women if we weren't doing all of the emotional labor 90% of the time. Sure. Then I'm more apt to say, because I'm looking at how does patriarchy fit, 
factor into this and we can't leave that out. So if we're still doing the bulk of the emotional labor, yeah, it's easy to say that women are not stepping into their agency. Well, yeah, maybe I'm not because I just don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the energy to lean in when it comes to this because I just left it all on the court as it were when I'm dealing with my family. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I, re I read an article a few weeks ago by Kelly Deals, who has also been a guest on this podcast, who talks about um, women taking on that that very major role of unpaid work and not just to do with, you know, uh, household chores, but including emotional labor as well. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just be, I just be interested, right. To see like, is it really so, so um, I can't think of the name of the author right now. Um, Baum. Oh, anyway, um, <clears throat> wrote, she wrote a book and where she, where she introduced the concept of women are less, um, are, are, are less, less, it's less about the glass ceiling and more about the sticky floor. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm saying, okay, I'm so willing to hear that side of the fence, that argument, mm -hmm. that line of thinking, that, that line of thinking, that reasoning. I'm, completely open to um, hearing that, but I also don't want to leave out the fact that, yeah, we're probably exhausted too. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's kind of an inner conflict within me too of, of uh, you see people who, women who say there is no glass ceiling and they manage to move up through organizations somehow and, and they have a particular approach that works for them. So to just accept limitation doesn't feel right as the way to go, but accepting mm -hmm. the reality of the scenario is a different, it's, it has a different quality to it. Yeah. And I mean, is it, is there some degree to, you know, certain women, you know, not really leaning into their agency and not taking full um, ownership of their, their personal power? Absolutely. Sure. You know, that that's definitely present. Um, but again, I'm, I'm less inclined to put all of that onus on women when I know full well what emotional labor can look like. And um, the fact that the fact is women are doing the majority of emotional labor still. Yeah. And you have, you know, I, I, to bring up the Internet bro culture again, you know, we've got people like Gary Vaynerchuk and telling us, oh, nobody else should be doing your social media. Well, Gary, you have an amazing family and you've got a supportive wife who's taking care of the home front for you, you know? So I just, I think we've got to look at the entire picture and um, context matters. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, uh, one of the things that I've, I've heard you call yourself is a truth teller and people are getting a sense of that already, but, uh, <laughs> and, and you joke about uh, your delivery being a work in progress and don't we all yes. have works in progress, but what do you mean when you say you're a truth teller? Um, <laughs> the best way I can describe it is if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask me. <laughs> um, I am, I'm going to, I'm, I've always been always since I, since I was a child, I've always been the person in the room who will point out what's true and not go along to get along. Mm. It's why I'm probably the worst employee in the world <laughs> because I don't know how to do, I honestly don't know how to do corporate politics and um, uh, you know, the game playing. I don't know how to do that. I, I was born missing that gene of, <laughs> of, of you know, diplomacy or whatever you want to call right. it. I mean, I, I do, I'm not intentionally hurtful. I, I don't desire. And if anyone knows me, they know that I just, I love, um, I love people. I love the people I work with and I don't intend to harm anyone, but I will always tell the truth because it's how I'm wired. I'm hardwired for why waste time on trying to couch things when we don't have, time is a limited resource. Um, and I do have an abundance mentality, but listen, we all come here with one thing in common. We all have an expiration date and no one knows when that's going to be. 
And I'm saying, let's get to the heart of the matter as fast as we can, um, because we want to affect change as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I need to work on my delivery, and I am. But until then, I'm still going to tell the truth as I see it. And that's who I am. I can't be, I literally, I've tried and it's not, listen, I tried to play the corporate game when I was a corporate consultant. I tried to play that game. It didn't work real well. I was effective in my position, but um, I just, I, I don't know how to do the go along to get along thing. So how does that attitude or that approach or that innate thing that you have within you, how does that allow you to have more impact or, or is it an impediment? Um, I think, I don't think it's an impediment. I think it allows me, well, let me say this. I think it's an impediment for people who are not ready for my level of truth telling. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there are people who are like, I don't want that woman within 10 feet of me because they're just not ready to hear it or they're not ready to hear it in the way that I will deliver it. Um, And that's okay. Like I've made my peace with that long ago And I'm really only focused on people who are like, listen, one of the reasons that I am paying to work with you is because you're not going to lie to me. You're not going to sugarcoat it. You're not going to allow me to hide behind my excuses. You are going to hold space for me to play a bigger game. And you're going to require that I play a bigger game. Um, And, and, and that's, and, and that's, those are the people that get the most out of me. People who are ready to show up and, 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 and play ball um, and, 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 and think bigger and better about, about what they're doing um, with their lives and with their businesses. And I think that works for me. I've heard it before. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have to necessarily think, but you know, my clients have told me in the past, one of the reasons I sought you out is because I'm, I'm ready for your level of truth. Now I've had people say they want to work with me and then they do the discovery call and they're like, Whoa, I had no idea it was going to be this intense. And I'm like, this is what it is. And then they come back to me a year or two later and they're like, I wasn't ready then, but I'm ready now. Mm. Well, you kind of summarized it there in, in your answer to that question, but I, what are the ways that you think that you have impact? That's such a good question. One of the, the key ways that I think my impact shows up um, in a really strong way is giving women entrepreneurs permission to build a business that loves them back and build a business in a way that, that feels good to them and doesn't feel like drudgery. Um, That's not to say it's not hard. That's to say it feels like something worth working towards and working for Um, and not just like a vacuum. Right. So to me, that's one of the ways. Um, Another one of the ways is um, um, highlighting and underscoring the fact that entrepreneurship is one of the fastest paths to um, owning your agency, right? Yeah. Um, I can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, you're either, you're either going to show up as in your CEO role or it's going to eat you up like one of the two. And, um, and I think that one of the, one of the ways that I, um, am able to make an impact is by leading women to that agency. Um, and that agency can look, it takes different forms. So sometimes some of my clients, they've got, you know, a confidence crisis. They've got a crisis of confidence and they need to build their confidence. Sometimes it looks like wanting to take up and needing to take up more space and really being the leader. And so when the client comes and says, well, we want to do it this way. You say, well, you can do it that way with somebody else, but here's how we do it here. And here's why we do it this way. And this is the only way we do it because this is the way that we know gets the best results and, you know, end of story kind of thing. So really stepping into confidence and agency. And then sometimes it looks like, you know, making peace with money. Sometimes it looks like making peace with being the leader and having to hire and fire people. So um, agency can look many, many different ways 
within the entrepreneurship lens. And I think one of the ways, just one of the ways that I have um, an impact is bringing women entrepreneurs to that line, right? Putting their toes on the line of whatever is the, 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 the next or the last frontier for them in their business and, 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 and supporting them in showing up. Yeah. I mean, I, you and I worked together and I certainly found all those things to be the case. That sense of agency is super important. It's helps with decision-making. It's about how you show up for clients, team members. It really affects every aspect of your business. Cause if you're, if you're, not feeling that sense of agency, then you're going to be pushed and pulled by all kinds of outside forces. Absolutely. You know, um, one quote that I love from Star Jones is if you don't stand for, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm -hmm. And um, another one of my favorite quotes is people who don't have a plan are used by people who do. Mm -hmm. Um, And those types of quotes and those types of memes they really drive me um, because what gets me out of bed every single morning is I know that I'm really good at what I do. I'm exceptional at what I do. Um, and I'm confident in that. And my heart is in the right place doing what I'm doing. I don't do what I'm doing for the money. I found a way to make money doing something I love. Um, and it's the only thing I do, you know, um, in terms of, of, you know, running this business, I have other businesses, but, um, in, in terms of this business, like this is the only thing I do. I'm not, you know, out teaching people how to run Facebook ads or something like that. Right. 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 Um, this is what I do in this business. Uh, and I, I, I just know that, Somewhere, some woman entrepreneur is going to get some bad advice about what to do next in her business. And I get up every single morning knowing that and wanting to be the person that says, no, you don't have to do it that way. That's not for you. You can do it your way and here's how. One of the things you mentioned was uh, creating a business that loves you back. So what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so often, you know, we we women entrepreneurs, and I'm, I guess male entrepreneurs do as well. I don't know. I don't work with them that often, um, but they refer to their business as "this is my baby." It's my baby. Mm-hmm. I built this business from scratch. I've seen it through. I've seen it through till this point. And um, so often, we can create something that puts inordinate um, and unreasonable demands on us. And that's not a business that loves you back. A business that loves you back is a business that you're proud of, a business that you willingly show up to. Doesn't mean you don't have a tough time. It doesn't mean sometimes you don't say, you know what, I don't wanna do this anymore. It means that that business fulfills you And when you look at it, the good outweighs the bad. That's a business that loves you back. Mm -hmm. A business that you run every single day from your heart and not from a have to, but I get to do this. Um, That's a business that loves you back. Marketing practices, sales practices, team building practices, uh, client and customer appreciation practices that make everyone feel valued, that's a business that loves you back. Anything else outside of that is a business and it might make you money, but it doesn't love you back. And when it doesn't love you back, you can make the money in the short term, but in the long term, it feels like I've built something that is slowly eating my soul and this doesn't feel good anymore. It's short, it's short term win. And I'm not about the short term. I'm all about the marathon. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to have that stamina, that perseverance to really sustain your business. Absolutely. Yeah. And listen, the reality is, is stuff happens that in business that we don't like, 
that we don't want to happen. And if your business doesn't love you back, the fires that you have to put out, the challenges that come up, if you don't have a business that loves you back, that stuff gets old really quickly. Mm -hmm. I've had stuff happen in my business. And the reason I've stayed the course is because this business loves me back and I love what I do and I love how I do it. Well, that is a great segue to something I really wanted to ask you about. And that is, I know that you're very uh, committed to making sure that women entrepreneurs in particular get a level of support that's really going to help them grow their business. And you've been, um, you know, critical is probably the best word of kind of big package coaching programs, like high-end coaching programs as the only way to grow a business. And um, it's, it's really something that you're quite passionate about. So how have you addressed that? How have you dealt with that concern and, and uh, had some impact with that? in the coaching world? Yeah. Um, I went on a rail, I think it was in, uh, a couple months ago at the, maybe three or four months ago at this point. Um, and I, I basically said what's happening in the online coaching space has got to stop. Um, I am not, I listen, I am certainly not against high end coaching at all. I mean, um, I have offerings even now to this day, Um, that one would consider high-end offerings, right? Um, I believe that for me, I have a responsibility because I know that I have information, knowledge, insight, and experience that women entrepreneurs need, not like a nice to have, but they need it, um, that would help them to build businesses that love them back and make their work and make their lives a lot easier. Um, in doing what they want to do in the world. And for me to be behind a very high-end price point, and that's the only way to work with me, for me, that doesn't align well. The reason it doesn't align well for me is because I don't do a lot of marketing. Um, For the past seven years, I've had a referral-only business. I haven't had a website. It's the holy grail. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I haven't had a website. Um, I haven't done any marketing. I haven't, I'm just starting to speak on podcasts again now after seven years. Um, And so for me, being behind a price point that would have been inaccessible to most just didn't sit right with me. Now, do I have high-end offers? Absolutely. But I also want to be accessible to the, um, to, to most women entrepreneurs. So I love high-end packages. I have friends. And like I said, even myself, I have high-end offers and I have friends who have high-end offers. For me, it just didn't sit right to have all of this expertise, knowledge, and experience sitting behind a price point that's inaccessible. It didn't, I didn't sleep well at night Mm -hmm. with that. So you created something that is more accessible to people that that they can access your expertise in a way that's more manageable. Yeah. So here's the, here's the crazy making piece of it. So then you've got to look at, well, okay, how do, how do you, how do you make that happen? Like, yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to drop your price. Like, well, how, how does that logistically come about? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I sat and I thought about it for a while and I thought, well, one of the things that I know is I don't, For me, the membership model doesn't really work well because um, I'm a prestige archetype. So Sally Hogg said fascination, I'm a prestige archetype. And I like to know my clients. I like to know their businesses. And I like to know exactly what's going on with them because that allows me to give customized feedback so that they don't have to follow formulas so that they can really build a business that loves them back, right? So when they ask me a question, if I know their business, I'm not giving them a formulaic answer. I'm giving them a, oh, here's what needs to happen for you, Susan, in your business, because this is where you are. That is important to me. So then I thought, well, this is, Lena, you're making yourself crazy. How are you going to do this? You know that the custom experience is your deal and you know that you can't have this price point. So what are you going to do? And then that's when I came up with CEO Pod. Um, and I started, I just, I mean, as soon as I came up with the idea, 
before I got a chance to talk myself out of it, as entrepreneurs tend to do, I just launched it. I launched a pilot with five women, um, and it's going great. We've been at it for almost two months now, and these women are getting amazing results. And in 2019, I'm going to be opening um, more CEO pods with a greater number of, of, of people, of women. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, it probably is going to look a little different than it does now because that's what pilots and beta programs are for. Sure. Um, but the bottom line is, is yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be changing this game in a short, short amount of time. Yeah. Well, and it's a great demonstration of, of what you preach, which is, there's always more than one way to do things. So that's, that's your way of addressing that important issue and having some impact in this in this realm. So I'd, I'd love to get into a little more on, on a, on a more personal level, or at least with respect to your business about how is it that you, I mean, you're having impact, you're working with entrepreneurs, you're having success, but ha- nobody's path is completely smooth. So how do you deal with it when you come up against an obstacle or a problem? And if, and if it helps, if you want to share an example, uh, that would be great. I always think it's good for people to hear, oh yeah, you know, I'm not alone with this and here's a way that I can look at it that's going to be valuable. Yeah, I love this question. Oh my gosh. Um, so the first thing is um, I, I've done a, an immense amount of personal development work. Um, I've done an immense amount of work. When I say personal development work, what I mean is I've done a lot of work on understanding that my emotions are my emotions and they're valid and I will recognize them and I will honor them, but they do not run the show. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work around that. <laughs> um, and knowing that just because I might feel overwhelmed, I am not overwhelmed, right? There's a difference, right? So it starts with your language and how you speak to yourself about the scenario or the situation that you're facing. And what I also have done personal development wise is I have trained my brain to see opportunity in everything. I have also educated myself and trained myself so that I don't believe in failure. I think failure is a concept that is, it's an invention. Um, and it is it was specifically invented to be divisive and to keep people playing small so that there's a huge gap between the have and have nots hmm. and that may sound like a big conspiracy theory but that's how i feel about it because you know people are scared to fail and one of my mottos is i may not always win but i never lose hmm. um, one of my spiritual elders taught me that many years ago and i've adopted it as well because you don't fail. There's just more information. That's it. There's just more information. There's yeah. no failure. Yeah. Um, and so I've, the work that I've done per, on the personal development, on the mind state front, has really been supportive of me reframing. So here's what happens. A challenge comes up. And the first thing that I think is probably what most people think is, you know, oh, crap, this is terrible. This is, you know, I go through my emotions, right? So I'm a, I'm a human, obviously. So I feel the emotions. I allow myself to be in the moment and be disappointed or angry or hurt or whatever. Um, and then I think, all right, now, this would not be in my orbit if I didn't have a way to deal with it. The answer is always in front of you. So now, Lena, where is it? Get focused, get out of your emotions, and what is the answer? Because you have it, right? So I, I'm, you know, also on the personal development side, I trust, I've taught myself to trust the timing of my life. And I've also taught myself to trust that the answer is always within me. And I wouldn't be experiencing something if I didn't have the solution. Mm-hmm. I've taught myself that. And so then it's a matter of recon of like, you know, it becomes a game of, uh, um, what do you call this thing when you, um, when you hide different, the treasure hunt, right? Right. It becomes a, it becomes a treasure hunt for me. Um, And that's what I do. 
So the situation comes up, I feel the feelings, and then I know that nothing trumps anxiety and low vibration feelings more than action. And so I get into action. I don't care what it is. Even if it's the wrong action, what I know and what I've taught myself and what I've educated myself about is any action will get you going. And it will, even if you start out in the wrong direction, any action will get you going in the right direction. It's just like your GPS. When your GPS is on, even if you make a left, that GPS is going to say rerouting, rerouting. But if you sit in one space, the GPS isn't going to give you any feedback. You're just going to be sitting there. So I'm saying, even if you don't know whether to make a left or right or go straight, do something (laughs) so that your inner GPS will say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not it. Do this other thing over here. And it'll move you. And I know know that sounds a little bit kind of, uh, esoteric, but it's, it's worked for me. And everyone that I show how to do that and stop letting the emotions drive you and get into your agency, get into, I can solve this. There is nothing that I can't figure out. So where's the answer? Let's get to it. Yeah. I'm completely with you there. That action aspect, somehow it energetically shifts things so that you see opportunities you didn't see before. You notice um, possibilities and, and paths. And uh, I, I really like your analogy about the GPS. Even just getting started, at least it activates it and you can start to adjust your course. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that, it, you've touched on a few things that are kind of about managing your shadow, which I've, I've heard you talk about in interviews before of really uh, – that shadow side of that we all have as an entrepreneur is something that you've got to be aware of. You've got, it's, it's tempting to kind of say, Oh no, I don't want to deal with that or, or push (laughs) it away or, you know, which never works. It's, it's always better if you can address it, be with it, acknowledge it. And um, it allows you to move through obstacles and problems. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that I, that I have, I pride myself on is I know exactly who I am. Um, it's why, and, and looking at your shadow and looking at all of who you are, it's one of the reasons um, when people say things about me that aren't true or mean or whatever, I, I honestly don't care um, because I know exactly who I am and I know exactly who I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, And so anything that anybody would ever say about me, I've probably already made peace with that within myself, Right. you know? Um, And the most that you'll get from me is, yeah, I know I'm working on it. I'm, I'm getting to that kind of thing. And I, you know, I am, you know, it's not like to blow people off, but um, knowing yourself and taking the time to know all aspects of yourself. So I don't know just the good things about me and how much I affect change and how much I help people. I know like, Hey, listen, my delivery works. And sometimes my attitude needs work. And, you know, like I know all of that. I I get that. Um, and so I work on it. I don't allow it to stop me. Not for one friggin' second. Do I allow it to stop me? Not, I don't allow anything to stop me for one moment that I think, Oh, well, somebody's going to say, well, people are always, you know, what struck me, Ursula? I, I, I always give this example and I'm, always stunned by it. Every time I share the example, I'm stunned. People had a problem with Mother Teresa. Seriously? Really? Like, well, what, yeah. what problem did they have? People would complain about Mother Teresa and they would say that she shouldn't be flying around the world um, uh-huh. in a private jet to do her work. And this woman died with, I think, three possessions, a sari, a wooden spoon, and a bowl. That's all she owned. And I think to myself, if people had a problem with Mother <laughs> Teresa, well, what chance in hell do I have of them liking me? So I just continue on. Yeah. Like, I just don't let it stop me. And knowing your shadow and knowing the challenging parts of yourself, it's the thing that sets you free and it stops people from being able to stop you. Because there's once you know those all those parts of you, there's nothing anyone can really say that's news that'll hit you in your chest. Yeah. Like, 
like that hurt. It's like, yeah, I kind of already know that, that, you know, that's last year's news. I'm going to need <laughs> you to get this year's memo. Right. Well, and that self-awareness is so powerful and totally yeah. powerful. Well, one, one thing I wonder too about is how, so how do you put this self-awareness to work to take great care of yourself that you're always able to have the energy available that you want to have to do the things you want to do. It's not a perfect, it's not a perfect science, but what things do you do to support your self care? Um, well, the first thing is going back to being self-aware, right? I know that, I know that all things being equal, um, I will always want to take care of people. Um, I don't have a care caregiver archetype um, in my um, in my archetypes, um, but I have that need to make sure everybody's okay and everybody's good. And so, once I realize that, I can say, okay, well, now how am I going to take care of me? So again, self awareness um, and building in structures. Um, and I'm the kind of person when I say building in structures, I mean building in self-care structures so that I'm kind of forced to take care of myself so that it happens by default. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll give an example. Recently, I realized this year, recently, I realized that I was having a real challenge with being online so much and being always on and on Facebook and Instagram. And it wasn't because of work. It was just a compulsion. It was just there. Um, because I could, and, you know, I would just default. And so I had this, um, I installed this piece of software that would track where do I spend my time. And I'm the kind of person that once I see it, I can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. And so I installed this software um, and it tracked my time and where I spent my time on the internet. And it did, I did that for two weeks. And I took a look at the report and I thought, this is outrageous. <laughs> like what is happening here? Like, seriously, this has got to stop. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I called myself up um, to, to a higher standard and I required more of myself um, from that perspective. And I, I stopped spending so much time on social media and, and places that I didn't want to be online and, and that whole sort of thing. Um, and, I realized that, uh, and I used to kick myself for this. I realize now that I am someone, if I'm going to affect change, if I'm going to do things and make changes in my life, and if I'm going to take care of myself, I need to have structure around it. Otherwise I won't do it. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, I used to kick myself and think, well, you should want to do this. And that <laughs> word should drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, you should want to take better care of yourself because you love yourself. Well, that's not how the story works for everybody, right? Like some people that works for, that does not work for me. What works for me is building structures. And so I make sure that I have a coach that I work with every single week. I talk to my coach um, and we talk about self-care and am I taking care of myself? Um, and when and if I'm not, we put remedies in place. Um, I make sure that I have self-care blocked out in my calendar. So every single year when I do my annual planning for the year coming in, I will block out my holidays and my self-care days first um, and then build my work around that. So it's, that's what I mean by structures. Mm -hmm. I have to have that. Otherwise, I won't do it. I wish I could you know, be here and say, oh, yeah, I take care <laughs> of myself on default. Right. No, I don't. <laughs> I do not. Yeah, I think it's the rare soul who does that. So habits yeah. are a huge benefit and structures, as you said. So, yeah. 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 Well, Lena, I always wrap up these interviews with uh, three rapid round questions. Are you engaged? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. So what is the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? That little hinges swing big doors. Mm. It doesn't, having impact doesn't have to look like a whole Broadway production. You can do one small thing and it will have a domino effect. Mm, I love that. I've never heard that phrase before. Fantastic. The second one is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? 
learn more and more and more about myself and deepen my learning about myself and my understanding about myself and how I work and how I operate and more importantly, you know, how I operate most optimally. And the last question, if you had one piece of advice or an insight that you would share with somebody who's saying, I want to have impact, I want to be out there making a difference, what would you say to that? Give yourself the gift of starting small. Don't put this lofty goal in front of yourself. Change one person's life and then trickle down. Like let that grow and let that snowball. Mm. Don't put yourself, don't create an overwhelming situation for yourself. If you want to have impact, you can have impact from right from where you are and you don't have to have a program and you don't have to have um, you know, um, any, anything to, to, you know, to guide you just start. Love that. Well, Lena, thank you so much for joining us today. I so appreciate how your focus on helping women develop businesses that love them back is so much contributing to people's fulfillment and, being able to do some really impactful work in the world and, and uh, having agency for themselves. I, I really appreciate you talking about all these things and sharing them with us. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be here, for asking some amazing questions that I've actually never been asked before. <laughs> um, and thanks to everyone for listening in. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can hop over to my web, my semi website <laughs> that um, that's there. Um, it's lenawest.com, real simple, um, and um, put their email address in, and I'll be in touch with them. I don't send a lot of emails, so don't worry, I'm not going to spam you. But when things are important and when things are on my mind, I will email. Great. All right. Well, Lena, thank you again for the work you're doing in the world and for being here today. And thank you for the work that you're doing. This is important. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. If you want to discover more about your impact, you can schedule a business impact assessment with me. That's 75 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Just email me at Ursula at workalchemy.com to schedule your business impact assessment. It's my gift to you. Join us for more episodes, subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of leaders like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.